This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, November 7th, 2013. I'm Caleb Brown. Since revelations about the National Security Agency spying on Americans, we are seeing some of the first pieces of legislation emerge to reform the agency. Julian Sanchez, a research fellow at the Cato Institute, evaluates two proposed sets of reforms. So since the Edward Snowden revelations about NSA surveillance began, uh, there have been literally dozens of bills proposed to reform some aspect of intelligence collection. Uh, There are really two main ones that are, I think, getting the focus of attention now seem like the ones with the best chance of passing. We have uh, just out of the Senate Intelligence Committee, a bill sponsored by Dianne Feinstein, uh, who has long, I think, been one of the most ferocious defenders of the intelligence community. Uh, and it it is, uh, in many ways, I think, a kind of a, a fig leaf reform, as, as Senator Ron Wyden said at a, a Cato event on surveillance we did recently. Um, it is a recognition that there is enough public consternation and outcry that something needs to be done. And so it attempts to provide a few tweaks without substantively changing much, without essentially allowing the NSA and FBI to continue business as usual. So, for instance, if you look at the press release for the Senate legislation, uh, you see the first item is they say, well, this bans bulk collection except under certain procedures. Um, What it in fact does is just codify exactly what the NSA is already doing. So there's a provision that says Section 215 of the Patriot Act, the business records provision, um, may not be used for bulk collection of communication records, only communication records, not other kinds of records, can only be used for bulk collection of communication records if certain procedures are followed. And those procedures basically mirror exactly what the current NSA policy is subject to rules that the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court has already imposed. So it's not a prohibition. It just entrenches in statute and codifies exactly what the agency has already been doing. With respect to that provision. Right. With respect to that particular provision. Moreover, it at least arguably creates a, a, a risk of expanding that authority uh, because it's – well, it's as if you say um, you, can, you can not do bulk collection on Tuesday. Well, if it wasn't clear whether you could do bulk collection before, now it is. If you say you, can, you can't do it on Tuesday, the implication is you can do it every other day. And so if you say under this authority, bulk collection cannot be done – for communications records except under these procedures, which is already what they're doing. Well, that implies very strongly, I think uh, a smart DOJ lawyer would uh, would easily be able to argue to a FISA judge that that implies that in general, 215 is meant to be used for bulk collection for certainly for other kinds of records, presumably without any special protections if because if Congress had wanted the court to impose special protections for other kinds of bulk orders. They could have said so, but this is very limited. Um, Similar within those procedures, there is now a statutory ban on the collection of content. I think you again have the same problem there. It certainly is not, I think, clear to a lot of people that in general, the business record provision could be used to get at least ordinary user or customer communications content. Um, And so prohibiting it in the context of one particular type of bulk order suggests that, uh, yes, if there was any ambiguity before, that 
content can be acquired using these orders uh, because otherwise that prohibition would be completely superfluous. Uh, so there's sort of an attempt to build this as something that's limiting surveillance, as something that's uh, banning certain kinds of mass collection of people's records, when in fact all it does is lock in exactly what the NSA is already doing and at least arguably create the potential to argue for even broader uh, bulk orders in the future. All right. What else does this, her legislation contain? Well, we also see an uh, attempt to address concerns about what uh, folks like Senator Ron Wyden have called backdoor searches. And the idea here is that under the FISA Amendments Act, that's Section 702 of the FISA Amendments Act uh, is now part of FISA. Uh, there is an authority to do programmatic, large-scale vacuum cleaner surveillance of, uh, of content targeting foreign people, uh, not necessarily terrorists, just people overseas. And the idea here is that there's a broad directive and then NSA analysts individually are the ones who decide what selectors, what email addresses or phone numbers are actually targeted. And the result, of course, is that you end up with an enormous database of, uh, of communications swept in pretty broadly. Uh, and even though it can't target Americans, um, it ends up sweeping in probably quite a bit of American communications because Americans often talk to people who are located overseas or do other kinds of internet activity involving sites overseas. Um, and because some of these searches at least involve what are called about searches where uh, it is the mention of an email address or uh, name of a target in a communication that triggers collection, even if it's not a communication to that person. And so the NSA sort of steadfastly refused to even try and estimate how many Americans' communications are in this enormous database. Uh, and so what many have suggested is, look, there ought to be a warrant requirement here to search that database. If you're going to compile a huge database of a lot of people without the normal limitations, and if the idea is that this is going to be targeting foreigners, then if you're going to go in with someone's name and say, okay, Julian Sanchez or Caleb Brown, we're going to search for your name in that database, that you should have to get a warrant just as you would if you were going to directly surveil that person. Uh, but that is not what uh, the Feinstein Bill does. There is, again, an attempt to sort of say something about that concern, uh, but it ends up just being a requirement that searches of U.S. person uh, selectors in that database you know, your name or your email address, have some valid foreign intelligence purpose. But everything NSA does is supposed to have some kind of foreign intelligence purpose. So that's not uh, really a, a whole lot of limitation there. There's also some benign transparency stuff. There's uh, various consolidation of oversight reports and other kinds of reporting requirements, some attempts to um, beef up the powers of the Privacy and Civil Liberties Oversight Board, which just recently finally um, got stood up and, and began operating even though it was authorized by legislation years, years earlier. Um, but on the whole, I mean, the picture here is uh, of a bill that is a recognition that there needs to be an appearance of reform in response to all these disclosures, but no real desire to substantively limit any of the agency's authorities or, or alter what they're already doing. Um, the Leahy censor Brenner uh, piece of legislation is something that uh, is essentially the competing uh, piece of legislation here. What does that contain? Uh, I mean, 
it's pretty clear that one reason this bill was offered was out of a desire to try and suck the wind out or draw support away from uh, a much more substantive uh, bill with with you know actual concrete limitations on authority. This is uh, sponsored by Senator uh, Patrick Leahy and on the House side by uh, Congressman Jim Sensenbrenner, who uh, actually has long prided himself as one of the authors of the Patriot Act, but been um, unhappy at the disclosures about how that authority has been used. And so this is the counterpart. It's called the USA Freedom Act, um, which is another long acronym uh, <laughs> designed for that. And uh, that actually does genuinely limit the use of these business records to uh, some some kind of investigation that has a, a concrete nexus to some kind of suspected terrorist. So bulk orders would basically be out. You can get business records under uh, the USA Freedom Act revision of Section 215 if there are records that pertain to a suspected uh, foreign agent or terrorist uh, or someone in direct contact with. That's one hop away from. So you could get the phone records of a person you suspect uh, you found their phone number, you know, in a um, Al Qaeda database of, of agents or something like that, um, and the records of the people they're in direct communication with, uh, and that makes a certain amount of sense. It lets you get a sense of the communication patterns and figure out who of their contacts might also be involved, as opposed to just innocent persons they're communicating with. Um, but then you stop. It doesn't let you do three hops out as the, the FISA court has allowed now in, in their queries. And it certainly doesn't allow bulk collection of all records so that you can search through and go out as many hops as you'd like once you have all of that data. Um, so that's this is actually essentially language that was proposed in 2005, passed the Senate unanimously, and was swapped out at the last second. There's one more category. Um, the activities of a suspected agent who is the subject of an investigation. I think this is supposed to sort of cover the case where uh, you know that you have specific intelligence about what your target is doing, uh, but you may not have their name. And so you can, uh, you know, get records of let's say, people buying, I don't know, chemical precursors of explosives if you know that that's what your suspect is doing. Uh, and uh, again, across the board, the, there's, uh, again, a pretty ambitious effort to um, mandate more inspector general reports. This is what has uh, uncovered a lot of the abuses that we had known about pre-Snowden um, to actually create that limit on those backdoor searches require um, you know, independent approval before Americans can be queried. Um, it limits those about searches that we talked about, uh, searches about a target from someone else's communications to terrorism cases specifically. Um, again, Section 702 of FISA uh, is not about terrorists alone, even though that's what everyone talks about. It's any kind of foreign intelligence purpose. Any foreigner is fair game. Um, it creates an advocate within the FISA court. Uh, this is one of the chief criticisms is you've got this court of 11 justice, uh, judges selected unilaterally by the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, uh, John Roberts currently, uh, that hears these applications ex parte, in, in private, in secret, uh, which any kind of you know, wiretap order, even in criminal investigations, usually is, that's, the, that's the norm. Uh, the difference, of course, is that all they ever hear is the government side. And as we know now, as technology changes, they're not just approving or denying specific individualized warrants, but ruling on whole 
programs that are proposed uh, to accommodate novel technological possibilities, creating a kind of body of secret precedent. Um, and then again, unlike a criminal investigation, they don't ultimately end up seeing the case where the person who is subject to surveillance is able to contest it. Uh, they're really only ever hearing the government side. And so the proposal here is to create some kind of advocate, someone who not in the in the routine case where they're just getting an individual wiretap order for a suspected terrorist or spy, but in cases where there's a new program or a novel interpretation of the law, you would have someone cleared to go in, look at that evidence and make the case that uh, perhaps what the government is asking for is too much. Uh, and this is actually something uh, a, a lot of former – uh, intelligence court judges have said they think that they would have found useful, um, especially as, again, with changing technology, um, the court moves from just doing these sort of individualized routine applications to having to consider whole programs. Julian Sanchez is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work at Cato.org. 